It is a Thursday, November. God, I'm getting ahead of myself. It's September the 16th. That's the one. How are you doing? Have you had a good Thursday? We found each other again, you and I. It's uh, the Richie Allen Show, of course. What else would it be? I'm with you till whenever because it's you and me this evening. There's so much to talk about. Without further ado, then. You're listening to the saviour of the independent media. It's your Richie Allen. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Asher, there's only myself. And if you'd like to chat with me during the program, the way to do that is to send me a message through richieallen.co.uk where it says comment live. I think you know that by now. And I'll read them out as I go along. So I will. Yes, indeed. Yeah, my cans have kind of exploded on me. This happens every now and then. My cans have exploded. I think I'll get away with it. I think I'll get away with it until my first musical interlude, at which point I will change the cans. I could change the cans right now, but it wouldn't sound great on live radio because the other cans are over there in the corner, over there in the corner across the studio. Now the headphones are working again. Do you know there's something, nothing, Remotely sinister about that. It's just I'm very fond of these headphones and I repair them and patch them up. Bit of, bit of glue here and there, you know, bit of masking tape. What did Mr. O'Reilly say? Lick a paint, lick a paint. That's the one. Lick a paint. These cans are so old, Biggles wore them on World War One raids. They are properly screwed now. I can barely hear myself. But I know from looking at the monitor that I'm, I must be sounding the way I normally sound. So I'll just simply crack on. Anyway, how are you? Thanks for the messages yesterday. We move on now. Seven years and on we move. That's what we do. Did you see this today? You might have seen it. Public health officials in Los Angeles County will begin requiring proof of COVID-19 vaccination for the patrons and the workers at indoor bars, at wineries, breweries and nightclubs from October the 7th. So that's pretty soon. You'll need to prove you've had at least one vaccine dose by October 7th. By November 4th, to get into these eateries and wineries and other nightclubs and whatnot, you'll need by November 4th to show that you've had both jabs. That's according to Los Angeles County's Department of Public Health, following on there from across the country from New York. So they want to bring these precautions in for restaurants as well. Ah, yeah, yeah, I give you some inc- I give you some fake news. Yes, I said eateries, but no, not yet. No, not yet. They would like to extend it to eateries, but so far, no. No proof of vaccination required for eateries just yet. So the county will also require proof of full jabbing or a negative COVID test within 72 hours for people who go to outdoor sporting events like the Dodgers, the Chargers and the Rams. That's Los Angeles over there. And you might know this, you might not, but Los Angeles currently requires that students over 11 be double jabbed, be jabbed, excuse me, be jabbed. Currently, if you're a child... 
11 and over and you are going to a public school to get in, you need to prove that you've had a vaccine. Isn't it lovely? Isn't it lovely? And vaccine misinformation is back in the news today. A woman called Dr. Benar Talibani, that's her name, Benar Talibani. She's 32. She's in Cardiff in Wales. And she's the only Welsh doctor on something called Team Halo. Did you hear of Team Halo? No. It's not a video game. No, no. It's a United Nations-backed group of doctors and scientists who are using social media to dispel vaccine information. She's the only Welsh doctor on Team Halo. And she wants medics, or trainee medics, so if you go to a university and you're studying medicine, she would like a change to be made where you are given social media lessons as part of your degree. So you, you, you go into uni to study medicine, you have operation between... 9 and 11, that's what you do. You play MB, Milton Bradley's operation. You do that for a bit, take the funny bone out without touching the sides. And then you get social media lessons to learn how to tackle misinformation online. Partly she's getting a load of stick and she's been called Dr. Death by trolls and by anti-vaxxers. Dr. Benar Talibani, who had to flee Iraq when the United Kingdom and the United States was bombing the shit out of her country. She's no sense of irony, I don't think. This young woman, she specialises in kidney and transplant medicine, doing a PhD in immunology, and she wants to take on misinformation. The British government wrecked her country. And of course, her country could probably use her skills right about now. Probably. <laughs> and here she is taking on misinformation. Did you see this? Blind and visually impaired people have been on telly today and radio and they've been saying that quiet hybrid and very quiet electric vehicles are putting their lives in danger. This is another Welsh story. Is my producer from Wales. It's another Welsh story. The RNIB, the Royal National Institute for the Blind, Chimru, that's the Welsh version, Guide Dogs Kimru said the quiet vehicles must be made louder before a blind person is mown down. Despite there being a noise-emitting device fitted to all UK-registered electric vehicles, the blind folks are saying that the insensitive bastards in the cars are switching off the device that makes the noise to tell the blind person that there is a car in the vicinity. A car you can't hear. So the Department of Transport said from September 2023, manufacturers would be prevented from installing an acoustic vehicle alert system's pause switch. So the feckers that are turning off the acoustic vehicle alert system switch, they won't be able to do it from 2023. I remember the famous sermon on the Mount, Jesus, what a prophet our Lord was back in the day. How blessed are the meek! He said, they shall have the earth for their possessions. How blessed are the blind. They shall be mown down by an electric car at a zebra crossing. But at least we'll beat climate change. Very selfish, these blind feckers, aren't they? 
You know, we need the electric cars to stop the climate change and all of that. Eight minutes past the hour, richieallen.co.uk, if you'd like to send a message to me. Please do. Here's the big story, well, one of two big stories of the day. Booster jabs are here. The boosters are here. You have to book your booster jab, are you? No? Why not? It's all very exciting. Here's Sky News' Sarah Jane Mee speaking at four o'clock on the old four o'clock bulletin. The boosters! The boosters! Go on. Good afternoon. The next phase of the UK's COVID vaccine rollout is now underway. The first booster jabs were administered earlier on today. Over 50s, people in care homes, frontline workers and vulnerable people between the ages of 16 and 49 are among those who will be offered a third dose. Let's bring in our correspondent, Iva Bennett. Iva, there'd been some speculation as to when this third phase would start. And it started this morning. Started this morning, Ivor. It's come around very very quickly, hasn't it? Um, very quickly now. This is important. It's come around very quickly. It's come around very very quickly, hasn't it? Um, the official plan for boosters was only unveiled on Tuesday by the JCVI, the Joint Committee on Vaccinations and Immunisations. And here we are just two days later with needles already going into arms. I think that's because they want to get this done uh, as quickly as possible before winter kicks in, of course. They want to get it done as quickly as possible before winter kicks in. They want to get it done as quickly as possible so that when certain people begin dropping like flies, they can blame it on winter variants. That's what I think. Um, as you say, the first people uh, to receive their boosters were frontline NHS workers and care home staff. That's been happening this morning at hospitals across England and Wales, including at Croydon University Hospital, where a Catherine Cargill, a maternity support worker, was among those to receive uh, a booster jab. She was speaking a little earlier about what it means for her. And these are the pictures. Yes, these are the pictures. So the first woman to get a booster was Catherine. The pictures we can see now um, uh, of what was filmed in, in Croydon University Hospital, which is where, as I say, Catherine Cargill uh, received her booster. Catherine Cargill received her booster. When I had the first two vaccines, um, I felt protected and I've not managed to catch COVID all this time. Even if I work in a hospital environment, I'm out meeting the general public. I've been exposed sometimes um, to the COVID disease. So having a booster is the extra protection that I need. And again, going into winter as well, that I, I'm, I feel confident, you know, going into winter, I can carry on doing my job as well, um, that that won't be interrupted. I can carry on with my, you know, family life as well. Oh, Catherine. Farewell and adieu to you fair Spanish ladies. Farewell and adieu to you ladies of Spain. For we've received orders for to sail back to Boston. And so never more. Ah, yeah. Catherine wants that extra layer of protection. Do you know, it would be safer if she swallowed a can of Ron Seal for winter protection. Just take a tablespoon of Ron Seal three times a day, Catherine, rather than have the booster. I feel fine. I feel fantastic. I had the two jabs. I'm working with people. The COVID didn't get me. But I'll just have the booster just for that extra layer of protection. Be better off with Ron Seal, anyway. Your man wraps it up then, Ivor, about who's getting the boosters. 
To begin with, uh, sorry, it is just the frontline uh, NHS staff and care home workers, as I say, who's getting their jabs this week. But from next week, the full rollout will begin uh, with the national booking system open from Monday, we are told. Um, four and a half million people are estimated to be eligible in this first wave, and they include uh, anyone aged 50 or over or anyone aged under 50 with health conditions that may leave them exposed to severe COVID. Yeah, you might get a text message now. Well, you won't, of course, because you didn't have it. So you didn't. Don't lie to me. Don't ever lie to your BBG. So you didn't have it, so you won't get a text then from your NHS provider, presumably, to tell you to come and get the third jab. And they'll be jabbing you till the end of time, you know. You know, come and have the third jab. You'll need a fourth one now, sometime around February, and that's the way it is. This is your Richie Allen radio show. I have so much more to share with you between now and the end of the programme. RichieAllen.co.uk. That's where you leave your comments, where it says comment live. <coughs> comment live, that's the one. I nearly deafened myself there. Do send me your comments. I will read them out on the other side of George Thorogood. This is bad to the bone. Yeah, love George Thorogood, Bad to the Bone, featured in the Terminator 2 soundtrack, you might remember. Wonderful drive time it is, Thursday afternoon, Mature BBG 16, and a half minutes it is past five o'clock. Hi to Diane Hughes, who's in Ireland, how you doing Diane? Tim is in Brazil, good afternoon from sunny Brazil, Richie. Mask wearing is slowly waning in Brazil, slowly he says. Cases have dropped off since the end of our flu season here in Brazil. I wonder why. Curtis Tiger's over there. I wonder why. Richard Kelly is in Ireland. How you doing, Richard? Hi to Anto. Hi to Kevin Duckworth. How you doing, Kevin? And another Kevin. Kevin Max says, Richie, I just caught up with the scientist who was on yesterday and he was great. We need more like him. That was Tony Crawley on the Richie Allen Show yesterday afternoon. I get good guests, me. Wonderful production team you have here at richieallen.co.uk. That, that'd be me. Yeah, he's a terrific guy, Tony. In fact, the, the truth of it is, Tony got in touch with me. I didn't reach out to Tony. He reached out to me, which was very, very fortuitous, wasn't it? Indeed. Urban Fox says, the stupidity of the masses is breathtaking. He spends his day shaking his head. Yes. <laughs> and he goes on to say an immune system, a healthy one, is the best bet against COVID. Hi to Colin. How you doing, Colin? Richie, get your boosters just in time for Christmas. Get your flu shots too. Two for one deal. Here we go. On and on and on. That's right. That is right. Rob says the winter is going to be carnage, especially with them now giving kids a live virus nasal spray. Yes, they are presenting the flu jab to the kiddies right about now. That is true. If the kids' parents have taken the gene therapy, the last thing they need is their kids coming home with a live virus, according to Rob. That your own opinion, Rob? Or did you get that from an epidemiologist or a virologist? I just, I just, I just, calm down, calm down. Everybody's an expert these days. I think we're going to have to do, I don't know, if not a lesson, a class in It Could Be Argued. Or I heard a scientist say, rather than type stuff as fact, because, you know, at least tell us where you're getting it, you know. That's right, Rob. Vincent says, Richie, my first time listening live, but I haven't... Missed an episode since I started listening back in January. January. You keep me sane, he says. 
while I'm driving. Funniest fucker on the radio since the great Jerry Ryan. And I'm now in a position to support the show. Thanks, Vincent. No, I'm not in that rarefied air. Jerry Ryan was a genius. I'm not in that company, Vincent, but you're very kind. God rest Jerry Ryan. Hi to Andy, to Darren Lynn. How you doing, Darren? Charlie Stevenson says, Richie, the immunity allegedly conferred by the jib-jab wanes after four months. Yes. Absolutely. What happens then? Charlie says, Richie, where ADE becomes a thing four months from now, just happened to be mid-January or peak flu season. This will be highly entertaining in a macabre sort of way. A macabre sort of way, says Charlie. That's right. Antibody dependent enhancement. Yes, that's right. I've had a mad day. I've had builders here all day long and banging, so I'm all over the place. Craig says if people want to protect themselves from illness, they should go about with a tight plastic bag over their face. Maybe. Maybe. Good evening to Faisal. How you doing, Faisal? I, uh, what did you say? Let me scroll on down because I did see a comment there. It's disappeared. I'll find it in a moment. Hi to Alex Romero. Hi to Patrick. Right, let's do another story. They're all related today anyway. Now, the French Health Minister, Olivier Varane, confirmed this morning that around three, did you see this, around 3,000 healthcare workers in France have been suspended because they refused to be jabbed. Yesterday in France, that's yesterday, jabbing, being jabbed, became mandatory for all healthcare and care home workers. So he was on French radio this morning and he said that the suspensions are temporary because many of these people have decided to get vaccinated because they realise that the vaccine mandate is a reality. This is interesting. He's saying we've suspended these people, but don't worry, we won't see great shortages because these people have learned a lesson. They now know that the mandate is real. And a hospital in Nice suspended 450 staff because they have refused the jab. Now, here in the UK, here in Blighty, care home bosses were on telly and radio this morning telling presenters they fear staff shortages will force the closure of many, many, many a care home. Today was the final day for care home staff to get their first jab because of this new UK government policy, which says they have to be jabbed by, is it October 17th? And to do that, they have to get jab one today. It's compulsory now in the UK. And you'll lose your job in social care if you don't get jabbed. Speaking to BBC Radio 4 this morning, a guy called Martin Green, who runs Care England, he said there's a real crisis around this. Thousands and thousands of people are going to leave the sector. That is going to be catastrophic. It's it's dreadful. Some care homes will refuse, as a result of this, will refuse to demand that their staff have had both jabs because they don't want to close. This is huge. It's catastrophic. Let's get into it. Nicola is a care home operator. She was on Radio 5 Live this morning where she was speaking with Rachel Burden. This is a woman who runs a care home. Listen to her carefully. Some staff are still hesitant about the vaccine. We've tried to educate them to the best of our ability. However, we do have to respect their choice in this as well. And at the moment, it really is frustrating and, and, and incredibly sad. I did a policy yesterday on the vaccination programme and I got quite emotional thinking 
I'm going to have to terminate these staff's employment who've been with me for, for, tw- for over 20 years. Over 20 years and I'm going to have to terminate them. What kind of fuckery are you? What kind of fuckery are you? So why don't you disobey the government then, you daft bint? And show some loyalty to the 20-year staff, maybe. I don't know, just something to think about, maybe. Rachel Burden had a question on that. Here's Burden. Each of these staff members is highly valued, I presume. Absolutely, and we cannot afford at the moment, and I cannot stress this enough, we cannot afford at the moment to lose people out of the sector. We're hearing providers across the country all saying the same thing. We have not got enough staff in the sector at the moment, and this will have a direct impact on the service that we provide at the moment. And it's it's really worrying for, for all of us at the moment that we, we you know, we're heading into winter, and it's incredibly naive of government to be to be imposing this when we're heading into winter. Um, we've got winter pressures already facing us. If, without social care providing a safe service to the people that we look after, this could overwhelm the NHS and we cannot afford for that to happen. Well, we're no, all- so, so don't terminate your staff then, your loyal 20-year staff. Just don't do it, love. It couldn't be any simpler, could it? You disobey the government. You tell the government to get fucked. Now, I'm not going to terminate these people because they won't have a job. That's none of my business. So I won't be sacking them. It's as simple as that. Well, we're also hearing that there are real pressures in NHS hospitals at the moment because they're unable to discharge patients who need to go to care homes, but the care homes are full. Is that what you're seeing as well? It's, it's not the care homes are full. It's not the care homes are full. Care homes have got vacancies at the moment. Care home providers are nervous, and absolutely rightly so, that they cannot meet those service needs of the people. So they're having to stop admissions, and we're only in September. Yes, and Julia Hoff, who's worked in social care for many years, told this programme on Monday last what is going to happen here. They will not be able to release senior citizens out of hospitals because there will be no place for them to go. Not only will they not be able to get into a care home, but if they return to their own home, they won't be able to have a care, a social care worker visit them to to assist them with their rehabilitation. The government will say that the NHS is on the brink of collapse. That's because successive governments have deliberately destroyed the NHS. See Richie Allen show shows of late, see the website for for the information about how they've halved hospital beds over 30 years, how they're short of 50,000 doctors. So in the winter they'll say, we're absolutely fucked, we've got to shut down the entire society again. This is an inevitability. And none of the, not that we need to repeat this time and again, so I won't repeat it, I was going to mention about the presenters not bringing this up. I was a Nicola care home operator speaking about this uh, reality that social care workers are walking away before they're fired. Now over on Good Morning Britain, Dr Goody Singh was on. She's a GP. She's all for the jab, but not for mandating it. So she likes the COVID jabs, thinks they're fantastic, but she doesn't believe it should be mandated. She's speaking to a woman called Susanna Reid, Dr. Goody Singh. The question that we're talking about today is whether making the COVID vaccine mandatory for health and care workers is actually the right path. Now, remember, 
18 months now we're into this long and arduous pandemic and the fact is that health and care workers should be really not being beaten about the head about having this vaccine but thanked and rewarded just as we heard last year Care homes were the scenes of horrific sites were of thousands and thousands of deaths and workers were being asked to go in right at the beginning of the pandemic and care for, you know, elderly relatives without having adequate PPE at the time. You know, I think this is really about labour rights. And the fact is that we have a social care workforce in the UK that is caring for some of the most vulnerable people in our society, and yet we pay them an average of about £7.80 an hour. So the average care worker earns, I think, just less than £20,000 a year. These people do not have the luxury to walk away from these jobs. And this kind of policy is incredibly coercive. Imagine what it must feel like to have a boss who's earning maybe 200, 300 times more than you are, and then threatening to sack you on the basis of your vaccination status. Now, the way that the care industry works, look, I'm sure that John is a really nice man, but the way that the care industry works is not fair. And adding threats of job loss is just a really horrible way to treat your workers. Damn right it is. A horrible way to treat your workers. She goes on, goody thing. And the other thing is that the people we're talking about, social care workers are predominantly women. They are people from black and ethnic minority communities. And these are the, exactly the kinds of people who are going to, if they are affected, health inequalities will get worse. And just as we've heard before, just like the NHS, the care industry is really struggling with high vacancy rates and high staff turnover rates. And this is just going to push people out of the industry Dr. at exactly Singh. the wrong time because we're just yeah. about to head into a really brutal winter. I, I agree. Having Dr. to do Singh. with the pandemic. Yeah. Susanna Reid can't wait to interrupt. Now, before you hear this next bit of audio, do bear in mind, Susanna Reid is a TV presenter. And that's a dubious claim now. Not a scientist, not a doctor, not a microbiologist, nor is she an epidemiologist. Here's Susanna Reid. I think we would all endorse your point about um, the pay that we give care workers. I mean, my goodness, they have put their own lives at risk, as you say, and, and, and worked during the toughest period of time. We could do both. <laughs> you know, we can also pay them more. And absolutely, the government should be uh, uh, thinking about that and minimum wage and living wage. But you just mentioned that there was a period of time when they came into work and they weren't adequately equipped with PPE. The point is the vaccine is now there for them. And it's, it, it, we have to make sure that they have every possible protection for themselves and for those care home residents. We know there are a proportion of breakthrough infections and we need to protect those who we know and we need those who are the most vulnerable who the hell is Susanna Reid to be talking about what we know and we need to do she's not a doctor isn't an academic isn't a scientist that's what you have now you have people pretending to be journalists in fact are testifying uh, testifying the agenda preaching the agenda on national television it's, it's absolutely startling to me preaching the agenda we know that vulnerable people. We know that we have to jab these people and we know that we have to boost those people. How do you know that? How do you know that? Oh, I was told by the government. Did, where are you? Did you investigate that claim? Did you ask anybody else for their opinion? No, they, they, they preach the agenda now. 
Isn't it mad, isn't it? Staying with the deplorable Susanna Reid, she was sitting next to a guy called Paul Brand. He's the UK editor of ITV News. Brand gets around to talking about how care home staff can temporarily exempt themselves from the job. Temporarily. Listen to what Paul Brand says and then listen to Reid. I spoke to a care home yesterday that's closing down this week. 24 residents moving out. They don't have enough staff. Someone on end-of-life care is having to move out of their home this week. That is how serious the situation is with the staffing crisis. And of course today's deadline is due to exacerbate that further. Aside from the fact that we broke the news last night that the government has fudged it a little Mm. bit because they've kind of given a temporary stay of execution here. So essentially, if you're a carer, you can self-certify now that you have a medical exemption. So you can sign a form, give it to your employer and say, I've got a medical reason why I'm not going to get the jab. That's only though until a new system comes into place. Yeah, that's this this good what he said. Um, If you are a carer, it's very temporary and ultimately it's not going to save you. But it's important to hear what he said. And then it's really important to hear what Reid says. Mm. Because they've kind of given a temporary stay of execution here. So essentially, if you're a carer, you can self-certify now that you have a medical exemption. So you can sign a form, give it to your employer and say, I've got a medical reason why I'm not going to get the jab. That's only though until a new system comes into place. Lovely, right? Sadly. Only till the new system comes in. But for the moment, you can buy yourself a couple of weeks, self-certify as having an exemption. I mean, this this is Nazi Germany. The idea that you would even need to tell your employer to keep your job that you've got a medical exemption from this from this job. But anyway, Susanna Reid isn't happy with that. Place. Yeah, that's only for a couple of months, yeah. isn't it? And uh, that... I mean, that's self-certification. But once, you know, people say, actually, I'm hesitant about it, that's not going to count, is it? So that's not going to give anybody a pass on this. No. What an absolute bastard she is, Susanna Reid. And... How, again, how could you call yourself a journalist? There is disciplinary action, you know. If you if you sign this form and you're not completely telling the truth, you could be disciplined for doing that. So, How could they discipline you for doing that? So you sign a form and say that you are, are exempt from having the jab. Because you're exempt on on medical grounds. How could they prove the opposite to be true? Is your doctor going to break his or her um, oath and divulge your personal medical information because some government fucker or some boss, some employer asks for it? Is that Dr. Smith, is it? Yes, how you doing, Dr. Smith? I run a cake factory in Wigan. I've got some fucker here who says they're exempt from the jab on medical grounds. Is that true, Dr. Smith? If Dr. Smith answers that question, she or he should be struck off. At the speed of light. There you have Reed and this dipstick brand from ITV News. You know, oh, no, 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 they shouldn't be. Oh, no, they shouldn't be. And, you know, being hesitant isn't enough. We're not suggesting, you know, that carers are going to do that. But clearly, this is only for those who have a good medical reason. And the list of exemptions is quite short, actually. It's for very serious things. It's not just, you know, oh, I've got, you know, I'm feeling a bit poorly today. I don't want to get the jab. It's for very serious medical conditions. Yeah, so a medical exemption is going to exist anyway. Mm. I mean, you call it a fudge. The point is there are potentially 70,000 workers in England who could lose their jobs. Yeah. Susanna Reid there, 26 minutes, uh, 25 and a half minutes to the top of the hour. Yeah, so there is 
for the moment, temporarily, the possibility of saying, look, I'm exempt. They'll put a form in front of you. If you're a social care worker, you can sign it. But they're threatening you that if you aren't exempt for several specific reasons, well, then you'll be fired, you'll get into trouble. But what, what law has been passed that gives them the right to look into your medical records? I'm not aware of any act of parliament that would allow an employer say to you or to me, exempt, are you? Prove it. Well, no, that's between me and my doctor. I remember Peter Ebden way back when going through airports on his way to Hungary, I think. The great Peter Ebden, lovely gentleman. I remember Peter saying, Richie, I had a very simple answer for people asking me about masks and asking me had I this or that. That's between me and my doctor, said Peter. It's none of your business. Oh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. We're still kind of, I know we're into the autumn now. There's still that kind of late summer feel, but we're only a couple of weeks away, I think, from real madness. I really do. I think we're on the precipice of madness. Hi to Nelly, who says, These days, Richie, employees can phone an outside body who can ring your doctor to get access to your medical records. Your employee won't have access, but an outside body will and can inform your employer if you are telling the truth or not. Nelly, I'm not saying you're not right. I'm not saying you're wrong. But that is against the law. Your medical records cannot be given to anybody without your consent. Your doctor or doctors, your local GP surgery, cannot communicate with anybody about your medical history without your express permission. The problem you have, the media is so bad, it's so wretched, it's so fucking terrible. People forget their rights. Because way back when, somebody mentioned Jerry Ryan earlier. Great Irish, late great Irish presenter. Way back when, when presenters did their jobs, Jerry Ryan would have been all over that. He'd have been all over Susanna Reid and that dipstick from ITN News and said, hey, hey, listen, no, 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 you, you, you don't do that. You, you, as an employer, you don't get the right to tell the employee, well, you're not exempt, prove it to me. People have forgotten their rights, Nelly. They've forgotten their rights. They're scared. You know, they believe everything they see on TV and hear on the radio. They don't stop and think for a minute, well, that ain't right. Anto says, Richie, I'm hesitant because of all the debts and injuries. Simple as that. Gail says her son, Liam, got an awful phone call from a co-worker last night. The co-worker is 25 and was jabbed in April. She was pregnant. She lost her baby recently at 34 weeks, says Gail. Now that doesn't mean, Gail, that the jab was responsible for the miscarriage, of course, and I know you know that, but maybe it was. How do we know? I suppose only she will know. No doubt about that. Dreadful stuff. God love her. It must be terrible. Hi to Darren, who says, You wonder why the MSM reports on COVID overwhelming hospitals and that the general public should reinforce the restrictions of face coverings and social distancing to protect the NHS, whereby they aren't reporting on the severe cutbacks which have been made by the current and previous governments to our health services. Exactly. This is the thing. 
It doesn't matter what year it is. Carl Hennigan, speaking to Brewer on Talk Radio, recently said 17 of the last 20 years the NHS has been in crisis because they keep taking beds away while every year the UK grows by 100,000 plus people. You take away the beds, you lose doctor after doctor after nurse after nurse, but they don't talk about that, you know? So the plebs then, the dipsticks who get their news exclusively from Sky and from Channel 4 and from the BBC, they don't think of these things. They don't think to go look, you know? Why is it overwhelmed? Why? Why? How many beds do we have? Question number one, how many beds do we have? Question number two, how many beds did we used to have? Why do we have less beds than we used to have when the country grows in population every year? No, God no, that'd be too much to ask, you know. Faisal says getting fired would make you eligible for benefits. Suspending somebody means that they would starve until they give in. That is Faisal there on the website richieallen.co.uk. Gillian Kennedy, how you doing, Gillian? She asks, what's the story with Apple Podcasts, Richie? I can't listen to your show, it keeps buffering. My husband tried on his phone, it's the same. A number of people have been on to me to tell me that there's a problem with Apple. Gillian, I, I can't do anything about any of this. It's a third party. There's nothing I can do. I uploaded to podomatic.com, which you can get it. At, you can go to podomatic.com and find it. But then it goes to Google, to Podbean, to Spotify, to iTunes. I can't do anything about it. Is there censorship? Yes, there is. Yes. Spotify are deleting lots of the episodes. I believe iTunes is doing the same. Look, we're not surprised by that. This is where we are. I'm sorry about that, Gillian. Catch it live if you can. And for the moment, go to richieallen.podomatic.com. That's richieallen.podomatic.com, the BBG. This is Blondie. Blondie, one way or another, is that on the Parallel Lines album? Is it? Is it? I'm not trying to show off my big old brain. I can't remember. I just grabbed the blooming tune from the Bank of Music. Is it Parallel Lines? It might be a great album if it is. The Richie Allen Show features doctors, scientists, academics and researchers who have been banned by the legacy media. Support Richie now by making a financial contribution at richieallen.co.uk. Are you a company based in the northwest of England who want to improve their profile via social media? Yes! Well, you could go out in the car park and film something on your phone, but it's not very good, is it? No! Sounds terrible, the picture's not that great. Yes! Try Ensign Films. We're a new video production company based in the heart of Manchester. We're really old, we've had loads of experience, and we can work within your budget. Don't go out in the car park with Debbie from Accounts. Seriously, ensignfilms.co.uk. You're listening to the saviour of the independent media. It's your Richie Allen. Welcome back. Here's a rarity, a message to the programme by the oft-mentioned El Frogo Tremendo. That would be my better half, who does listen occasionally, but never gets in touch with the programme. But she has an interesting message for you and for me. She says, Richie, you forget that September 1st, 2021 was the deadline for telling your GP surgery that you didn't wish to have your data shared. If on September 1st you didn't opt out, your data could be up for grabs, says Caroline. It is disguised behind the idea that it is for researchers at universities, 
But who knows how easy it is for anyone to access it. That's a very, very, very intelligent comment. I didn't consider that. It escaped my mind. Maybe she's right. Remember this? The media picked up on it a few weeks ago. If you didn't want your medical records and data to be shared with people, with, uh, with I think, universities, I think, you would have to physically opt out on online. Now, one of the claims they, they make about this is that if you don't opt out and you are happy to share your data or happy for the NHS to share your data for research purposes, they say that those receiving the data never know who it comes from. That is what they say. They say it's anonymous. They might be given data and all they get is man or woman and age and general well-being. Notes, maybe. That's what they're saying anyway. But it's an excellent observation by Caroline. Your thoughts, please, richieallen.co.uk, where it says comment live at the top of the page. Indeedy. Indeedy. Hi to Sophie, who says, Richie, these shitheads like Susanna Reid are to journalism what kamikaze pilots were to aviation. <laughs> You've got that right. That's uh, Sophie and Andrew. Good evening. Hi to Christine Walsh. How are you doing, Christine? Um, Automatic has their own app now, Automatic. Is that a, is that a podcast provider, Christine? She says if she doesn't catch the programme live, she gets it on something called Automatic. I didn't know uh, about that. I, I never heard of it before. Thanks, Christine. Elton John, by the way. You, you have heard me say that it'll be interesting in November, the Elton John concert, because for about 18 months, two years now, the previously mentioned Caroline and myself, we've had a pair of tickets to see Elton John's farewell Yellow Brick Road tour at the arena here in Manchester. However, it's been postponed until June 2023 because Elton put out on Twitter and on Instagram that he had an awkward fall. Christ, it had to be some fall that to postpone a concert by two years. What were you doing, Elton? I don't want to know. I genuinely don't want to know what you were doing. Yeah, I've had an awkward fall. I'll see you in two years. Piss off. So I won't be able to tell you now whether or not we were able to get in in November. We wouldn't have been able to get in anyway, because by November they will be requiring the jab passports, won't they? Of course they will. Around 35,000 women have come forward to report irregularities with their menstrual cycle. These include things like very severe period pain, reporting the irregularities after they received a jab. They reported through the yellow card system. And of course, you don't expect more than 3, maybe 4, maybe 5% of people to actually report. So the 35,000 women with the menstrual cycle irregularities, it might be a much greater number. So a woman called Dr Victoria Dale, she's written in the British Medical Journal, she wants an investigation. She's a lecturer in reproductive immunology at Imperial College in London. Now, astonishingly, despite the 35,000 potentially being a drop in the ocean, the, wa the watchdog in this country is the MHRA, the Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency. They've said, nothing to see here. We refuse to accept there is a link between the jabs 
and menstrual cycle problems. What would they need, the MHRA, to accept that there's a link? 35,000 women, it's a drop in the ocean. What would the MHRA need? Would they need women to explode from the uterus? Would they need women to explode from the womb before they'd say, all right, there might be a problem? But no, there's not a problem. They said, we've rigorously evaluated all this stuff and there's no issue. Nothing to see here. 35,000. And my observation today was that when this was, because the, the, the Sunday Times did a story on this some weeks ago, we covered it on a phone-in a couple of months ago. One or two media outlets mentioned it. So because it's gotten into the mainstream media in such a big way today that so many women are having problems, they rushed so-called experts onto the telly this morning to assure the public that even if there is a link between the jabs and period problems, fear not, fear not, the jabs do not affect fertility. They are lying through their sphincters. How do I know that? Well, I do know that. Do I know that the jabs affect fertility? No, I don't. I can't, I can't say that for a fact, despite my misgivings about the jabs. I don't know. I would be a liar. But they're lying. Of course they're lying because they cannot know that the jabs don't affect fertility in women or men because they have no long-term data on how the jabs affect fertility or anything else. How could they possibly say it? Oh, they got them on the telly and on the radio this morning. Double speed, double time. Get them on quick. Tell the listening audience, the viewing public, tell them quick that these jabs don't affect fertility. W women are in agony with period pains after the jabs. Heavy bleeding. Nothing to see here, says the MHRA. And quick, get the doctors on the, on the telly to say, don't worry about the fertility. Jesus, huh? No shame. No shame. No decency. No honesty. No compassion. Just get on the telly and lie through your teeth. And say there's no, there's, there's no link. There couldn't be. Well, they don't know. I did Jacob. Richie. Oh, you've sent me a link, Jacob. Thank you. You've sent me a link. Thank you very much. I'll uh, check it out a bit later on. RichieAllen.co.uk where it says comment live at the top of the page. Thank you. Thank you, Dawn, for your guest suggestion. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And if you know better than me, do you, on the, on the laws surrounding your medical data protection and your, and your rights as a private citizen, for your data to be, to, to be to remain private and the consequences for your doctor if they were to divulge or if they were to speak about your medical history with anybody, get in touch through the website. Ron says, Richie, we opted out. That's Ron and Jean. Good evening, Ron and Jean. We opted out and we've made sure for years that our medical information isn't out there because we trust nobody, says Ron. Thanks, Ron. Stephen says, Richie... Regarding maybe being entitled to certain benefits, depending on how your job ends, at the moment there are no face-to-face -face interviews at job centres. It's all done over the phone. How long before this policy is reversed and face-to-face -face meetings start again? But, unless you've been triple jabbed, you won't be allowed in a job centre. And this will not qualify, and thus, and thus, you will not qualify for any benefits. That's excellent, Stephen. I have imagined a scenario myself where supermarket chains 
might inform their customers who cannot go to the supermarket because they refuse to wear a face covering, which is the right thing to do. Face coverings are dangerous. They don't do anything to prevent the spread of anything. They're useless, right? So you say, well, I'm not wearing a face covering. What were we doing over the winter? Well, what I was doing, and my better half, we were ordering online what we needed from supermarkets. How soon before supermarkets refused to deliver? As another means to coerce people. Why would they not deliver? We don't want to put our fully jabbed driver at risk by encountering you refuseniks at your front doors. What's all coming? It's uh, six, it's five and a half minutes to the top of the hour. I'm not trying to depress you. I'm trying to keep an upbeat tone here. Hi to Davy. Here's a new one for you, says Davy. What about the Belfast City Centre pub at the weekend? It had a bloody jabatoir on site. So much for your pie and pint. Now it's jab and a pint. That's from Davy. Is that right, Davy? A pub in Belfast facilitated the jabbing of people. Jesus. Ah, oh, Jesus. By the way, uh, John O'Looney, or John O'Loonig, the funeral director, he's been on the Richie Allen show. Because Mark Boyersky was a top man indeed. Mark made sure that the first programme John spoke to a couple of months ago was this programme. He's been on as John, the funeral director, and he will be back on again for a follow-up. Uh, somebody says, Richie, I admire Rachel Elno. Uh, I was speaking with Rachel today. She'll be on the Richie Allen Show this coming Monday, so don't miss that one. She'll be on with me on Monday. The Richie Allen Show, the BBG, not the BBC. This is Kim Carnes. It's 80s all the way on drive time. This is Betty Davis Ice. Kim Carnes and Betty Davis Ice. 84? 83? Can't remember. Should remember. This is your Richie Allen radio show. It is live from BBG Towers in Salford. Thank you for your comments. Keep them coming. Uh, the only way these days to reach me is uh, the only way is through the website richieallen.co.uk. Thank you for your comments. Thank you. Alan says if he can fly to Poland again, I hope I'll meet the cardiologist in the family. Lovely lady, but has been very coy with the jabs when speaking to my wife or cousin. I guess, as she said, she has to protect herself. Example, she won't speak her mind on social media. Cardiologist in the family has been coy, read the jabs when speaking to uh, Alan's wife. She has to protect herself because of the consequences of speaking out on social media. No doubt about that. Hi to Stefan. How you doing, Stefan? I don't know the answer to that question, Stefan. I'm not going to put it out there. I don't know. On the driver ban from supermarkets, Pandora reckons, yes, it will occur, you know, where you won't get your groceries delivered, you unjabbed bastard, because you will be putting the driver at risk. Therefore, you will either get the jab or you don't eat. Maybe. When the food has been through a ton of hands along the way, says... The driver ban will occur when the food has been through a ton of hands along the way. It's lunacy. It knows no bounds. But it is another coercion coming, says Pandora. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I think anyway. And, beekeepers, what do we... We talked often on this programme over the years about the creeping, about the military creeping 
into public life, how things will be, how, how basic duties, duties that would have been done by the emergency services. So the emergency services are the police, the ambulance, the fire brigade. We've talked many years on this programme about how in the future the military will be drafted in to assist with such emergency services. Well, the Scottish government, the Scottish government has asked the Ministry of Defence, can the military please assist the country's ambulance service? This is true. Sturgeon, Jimmy Cranky, said that the health service is dealing with the most challenging combinations of circumstances in its history. And Sturgeon, we Jimmy Cranky, has blamed it all on the pandemic. We're struggling. Health service is collapsing. Can we bring in the army? You're going to hear a lot of this. Army with policing. Army with policing lockdowns. They're doing it in Australia. The army stopping people on the street over not wearing a mask in public. The army. This is where it's all going. The hyper-militarisation of the police is something that's been ongoing for many years. Look at the police now when you meet them. We were in <coughs> Media City, Salford. A few weeks ago, more, more likely a few months ago, a couple of months ago, and it was a lovely day, and they were out and about, the police. They looked like Robocop. Tooled up to the gills, Kevlar, headphones, glasses, helmets, guns, semi-automatic weapons. They were walking around Salford Keys with... They don't look like police. They're not police. They are the thugs of the New World Order. Lunacy, isn't it? The military coming in to help with the ambulances, the military to police the lockdowns. All the while you're taking gear that has come out of a war zone because you bought so much of it from Raytheon. You bought so much of it from British Aerospace Systems. You bought so much of it from Lockheed Martin. Christ, we have a surplus of all this gear. Let's give it to the police and turn them into paramilitaries. Instead of the police that you used to see wearing the blue shirt, the short sleeves, they had the notebooks and all they had was the truncheon and they had that silly hat. The Bobbies, they would be friendly. How are you getting on? I'm not too bad. Listen, can you tell me how to... Yes, I can. Just go down that road there. Take the second left. Thank you very much, officer. No problem. Now, there's some sort of hybrid thing. And of course, in the United States, Cyberdyne Systems, these days it's a, co a company called Boston Dynamics, Cyberdyne Systems, as imagined by James Cameron, is now in reality a real company called Boston Dynamics, and they've got robots ready to go to replace these hired thugs now that are walking around as police officers armed to the tits. They'll eventually be moved aside for robots. It's all coming. Yes, I know it sounds mad, it sounds strange, it sounds weird, but I'm not lying, I'm telling you the truth. We Jimmy Cranky wants the army to come out and help with the, with the ambulances. Lovely, lovely. Lovely. Let's move on then, let's move on. Speaking of Scotland, the Scottish National Party's business spokesman, a guy called Pete Wishart, stupid 
fucking name. Wishart. He had a proper old meltdown in the Commons this morning. So he did. Because he was disgusted, so he was. Disgusted. That yesterday, at Prime Minister's Questions, very few Conservative Party MPs were wearing a face covering. Here's Pete. Wishart, Pete Wishart. This is now getting beyond the joke. The scenes from a packed PMQs yesterday were simply a disgrace with barely a face mask on a Tory moosh. The House staff are now getting increasingly nervous and anxious about what they're observing. And it seems like the Tories have absolutely no regard whatsoever about the safety of their colleagues and the staff who are here to support and help us. And the government's own advice states, wear a face covering in crowded and enclosed settings where you come into contact with people you do not normally meet. Now, I don't normally meet any of you lot, and I'm quite happy with that situation. I've got no desire to meet you on a regular basis. And yesterday at PMQs, this place must have been about the most crowded enclosed space in the whole of the UK. And the health secretary, the health secretary even excused the Tory no face mask policy, suggesting you can't catch COVID from friends. Isn't it the case that this House is sending the worst possible message to the country and contributing to all sorts of confusion? Will he now be a leader? For goodness sake, put a face mask on! Oh, shut up, you tart. Oh, shut up, you tart. Shut up, you tartars, right, Derek? You dipstick. Imagine, I hope William Wallace rides a horse into his bedroom this evening and maces the fucking bejesus out of him. That'd teach him, wouldn't it? With Robert the Bruce riding, riding shotgun, mace the absolute bejesus out of him. What a wanker. Wear a face cover and how about you mind your own business? You know, in the Eastern European parliaments, I love them, the Eastern European parliaments, because they regularly break out into good old-fashioned fisticuffs, don't they? I love Steve Baker or, 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 or Desmond Swain to have jumped down, leapt from the back benches and smacked the piss out of this guy, Pete Wishart. Don't tell me to wear a mask, you soft bastard. Eh? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Keep the comments coming in. It's uh, richieallen.co.uk. Live comment or comment live. I know. You're nearly used to it. After a while, I'll just cease. I will cease and desist telling you how to do it. I'll never be on Twitter again, so this is the only way you can do it. Shut up, you tart. Christine came back and said, Richie, it was a typo. There is no automatic. It's podomatic. Yes, that's it. It's richieallen.podomatic.com. That's the best place to get the podcast. That's the best place. Lovely. Now, let's talk a little bit about climate change. And we know that climate change is real. Don't ever doubt that climate change is real and that it is a clear and present danger to your life, to the life of your children, your grandchildren, your great-great-great-grandchildren and everybody else. It was proven beyond a reasonable doubt last year by a bin man and by a road sweeper. You're born and bred in Glasgow and you've noticed the weather changing. The rain seems to be getting heavier. Sometimes you get up in the morning and there's bucket in the bin. That's it. That was proof enough for me. Now, you will probably know that scruffy, work shy, guardian reading, 
lentil soup eating, Greta Thunberg worshipping, still living at home arseholes have been blocking the M25 motorway. And it's all because the rain has been booking it dune. It's all because they want to save the planet. And because of these fuckwits, a woman was airlifted to hospital with serious injuries yesterday. So Talk Radio's Ian Collins wanted to get into this. He had a former detective on, a guy called Mick Neville, debating Insulate UK's Liam Norton. You see the scruffy, workshy Guardian reading, lentil soup eating, Greta Thunberg worshipping, still living at home arseholes. They are known as Insulate UK. They were blocking up the motorways. Let's hear Detective Mick Neville before we hear the scruffy, workshy Liam. Here's Mick Neville first speaking with Ian Collins. Good afternoon. I mean, I just think it's ridiculous. I mean, if you said to anybody, if you lie on the M25, is that going to cause an accident? Any reasonable person would say yes. And now we've got a woman seriously uh, injured. And it's not only that, it's all the people who've been stopped from going to work, the people who've been waiting for months for a hospital appointment, who've missed it, kids trying to get to school who've been, uh, because of these lockdowns, haven't had proper schooling. And all this does, if Liam thinks that any of this will uh, generate any extra support apart from the sort of fanatics uh, it won't won't generate any support at all and most people can look out of the window and see that the weather's not changed in the 50 odd years i've been alive you know sometimes it's hot and sometimes it's cold uh, and, and these extreme weathers there's, there's floods here and floods you know with floods when i was a kid and floods now i mean there's a good so point being told all this yeah there's a we good keep point told all this yeah liam there's a good point here isn't that the mixed race i mean part of parcel of protest is to get people on side you're not doing that hmm very good point. I like uh, Mick Neville, by the way, and his dismissal of man-made climate change theory. Let's hear from the, uh, well, the ne'er-do-well who thinks it's okay to block up motorways and, 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 and cause crashes and cause people to be late for hospital appointments and all the rest of it. Well, I think it's interesting uh, where Mick's coming from because the people that live ne- next to Tower Bridge would have looked out the window and seen it flooding and the Tower Bridge was shut the other day because of extreme... Yeah. Uh, uh, flooding on Tower Bridge. So, yeah, they will look out the window and see flooding. Well, does that, that mean every time there's the... a flood or a drop of sunshine, well, you're well, going well, to attribute well, it to the... climate change? Yeah, well, what it is, is it's like the con- the extremity and the um, the amount of times that it happens. That's what it, that's what climate change does. Okay. It increases the frequency. But do you, do, you think you've, do you think you win people over, which was implicit in what Mick was saying, in doing what you did on the M25? Have you got more supporters today than you had last week? And what we're saying to the government is that they need to get on with the job and insulate Britain. As soon as a meaningful statement is made by the government, they're going to start looking after the British people. We'll get off the yeah. roads immediately. I mean, they would say they're doing all of that. I mean, Mick Neville, again, it comes back. There is a, you know, the, the issue of protest, I'm sure, in your policing career. This crossed your desk on more than one occasion. It is tricky, the right for people to protest. We all kind of support the spirit of that. But impeding everybody else is where the, 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 the whole subject becomes a, a fairly grey area, Mick. Detective McNeville. I absolutely agree. So people should have the right to protest. And Liam can march around Hyde Park all he wants with a big sign saying, I believe in climate change. I don't believe it, but he's got the right to tell us what he thinks. And so 
Uh, yes, you have the right to protest, but the moment you step over the line and start causing danger, you start causing massive inconvenience to thousands of other people, somebody's got to do something about it. And the police at the moment are not robust enough. What happened, and I'll continually say this, when I joined the police, I was I joined from the army. Half the uh, recruits are ex-soldiers. Now they recruit from universities, the senior officers, there's hardly any ex-forces amongst the senior officers. It's a liberal elite in charge of the police. And too many of the officers and too many of the senior officers they empathise more with Crispin and Annabelle, who are gluing themselves to the floor, yes. rather than Sharon yeah. and Gary, who want to get to work and do a decent day's work. And their emergency is not some 50 years' time what the wind's going to be doing. It's it's feeding their family and uh, getting that hospital appointment right now. Absolutely right, Mick Neville. It's exactly 13 minutes past six. This is the Richie Allen Show. Back to the 90s with the new radicals. More of your comments when I come back. Great to be with you. Yeah, nice to hear from Rich Mortimer there. The new radicals and you get what you give. Good evening, Richie, says Rich. Great tune. Reminds me of less messed up times. Yes, it does, doesn't it? Well, it was a great time for me. Well... I was at a great age when that song was in the charts. I think that tune was 98, was it 99? Around about that time, 99 maybe. I remember it well. Will is from Scotland and moved to America in 2014. I've been told today, says Will, I will be fired on December the 31st if I refuse to be jabbed. The worst part of the company email was this, and I quote, Among our employees... There are many unwilling to come into the office if everyone is not vaccinated. Among our employees, there are many unwilling to come into the office if everyone isn't vaccinated. Will says, I frankly have no desire to work with people with those opinions anyway. Would love to chat about it, says Will. Will, I'll be doing phone-ins next week and every two weeks thereafter. Uh, So feel free to come on during the phone-ins, my friend. Absolutely. You won't be alone there, I don't think. I think a lot of people will be dealing with that. A lot of people will be dealing with that. You can't come in unless you're jabbed. Craig says, Insulate Britain sounds like a nationalist party. It does a little bit, doesn't it? Yes, for those who don't know, these people are demanding that the government insulates people's homes so that they can stay warm. You see, they want to prevent people from properly warming their houses. These lunatics. They want to put a cap on the temperature that you can set your cosy little house to in the extremes of winter. They want to cap it at 19 degrees. That will freeze the ovaries out of your granny. And so to offset this, they want the government to put lots and lots of stuffing Teddy bear insides and all sorts of stuff in people's attics so that they can keep them warm while preventing them from using the gas central heating. These people are barking fucking mad. Of course they are. They never have any statistics. They never have any real science. They just talk in slogans. You heard that dickhead speaking to Ian Collins, this guy Liam, saying... Well, uh, these uh, weather events, they they become more frequent. Dickhead. 
Of course, Ian Collins doesn't get stuck into him and say, tell us a bit more about that, because he can't. You know, because the young lad can't, because he doesn't know anything. Slogans, they learn slogans, they just repeat them. And they can repeat them because they will never be challenged, ever, to prove them. Uh, they're not, and we know that you were far more likely in 1913 to be killed by an adverse weather event than you were in 2019. But don't let the truth get in the way of a good lie and all of that, you know, yes, marvellous, yes. I to Fabrizio, who says when the truth is right in their face, some are too far gone to see it. Wes, speaking of the Scottish National Party politician, would that Scottish bastard go into a coal mine with such face masks? Compare coal dust size to a viral particle, says Wes. Rob says, Richie, why are you so negative about the police? We, says Rob, a policeman, wear what we do for a reason. If you worked in our line of work, in our line of business, I'd say you would be wearing the same kit. But, but I wouldn't want to wear the same kit, Rob. And I would refer you to the closing remarks of the detective there, Mick Revel. Was that his name, Mick Revel? What's happened to the police, in his opinion? Mick Neville, excuse me, Mick Neville. And all I can do is repeat very briefly what I said already. The police increasingly don't look or act like the police that I remember. I was never a knocker of policemen and policewomen growing up, and I certainly wasn't as an adult. My encounters with police people were generally very pleasant. Even one evening in Waterford City when I was 17, and I was behaving like a complete dickhead. Do you want to know what I did? It's kind of infamous, really. I didn't, I wasn't much into the drink. So I couldn't handle it very, very well. And I was on the quay in Waterford City, which is Waterford's main thoroughfare. The quay is the, the, the main road. You, you come off, you come into Waterford over the bridge. South Kilkenny, you come over the bridge. Or you come from the other side. You come from New Ross. So you come over the bridge and you're into Waterford. You're on the quay. It's a big, big road. Kind of a dual carriageway. And I was there, you're talking circa 1992 or thereabouts. And I'd had a couple of ciders called TNT Cider, which blew the head of me. So in my drunken wisdom, I decided to take some nearby traffic cones, which had been stacked by builders who were doing building work. And I decided I would divert just, just after rush hour, but it was very busy. I would divert the traffic using the traffic cones. Basically, I would divert the traffic up a dead-end street. I was a dickhead. I was going about my business, finding it very amusing. Drivers were getting irate. I felt a little tap on my shoulder. And it was from a policeman with a Cork accent. They're always from Cork in Waterford. I'm not going to attempt to do the Cork accent. It offends some when I do, so I won't do it. But uh, he said, uh, you're, a, you're a cute little faker, aren't you? Eh? That's a fantastic little display, isn't it? This policeman. He took a truncheon out and he poked me in the chest with it. And anyway, the long story short is he marched me up and down, collecting the cones and apologising to the irate drivers. 
He wasn't wearing Kevlar. He wasn't wearing Robocop type militarised gear. He didn't look like a paramilitary. He was a gentleman wearing a sweatshirt and a blue shirt underneath it who had a radio and he had a little Garda Shiakona cap on him and he wasn't on a power trip. He was a nice guy. I look at the police now when I see them around Salford armed to the teeth and I see them as the enemy of the people, Rob. I don't see them as there to serve the people. I don't see them as as um, policing by consent, by the consent of the people. I see them as being something else entirely. And if you disagree with me, mate, you get in touch with me privately. And if it is something that you can do without getting into trouble from your superiors, you're welcome to come on the programme and tell me that I'm wrong. You know, if you listen to the programme, you know you'll get plenty of time to, to tell me. That's been my experience of the the kind of metamorphosis of the police over the years. I don't like it. You go to pick somebody up at Manchester Airport now. They've got all the screens. They've got all the x-ray machines in the world. They don't need to have police officers standing there with sunglasses and helmets and all of that gear I just talked about. That's to scare people, to remind people of who's really in charge. That's not policing. That's bullying and intimidation. Rob, that's how I see it. I'm not having a go at you. I'm sure you're a nice fella. But, and I'm sure many policemen and women are nice people. But increasingly they don't look like police and they don't act like police. That's how I see it. Maybe I'm wrong. Feel free to tell me. RichieAllen.co.uk at the top of the page where it says comment live. I'm nearly done for today in any case. Anywho, it's just been me today. It's been a mad day today. I couldn't get my head around the work today because there were people here doing some essential building work, kind of finishing off some bathroom work that we were having done and it was just chaos in the house. It's also very, very warm today which is no bad thing. I believe it's going to be nice and warm tomorrow, which will suit me because I'm not back with you until Sunday morning at uh, 10 o'clock for Sunday morning melodies. Don't miss that if you're free on Sunday morning. If you want just a complete chill out for a couple of hours, some interesting tunes and some interesting stories, it's Sunday morning melodies every Sunday at 10 o'clock. By the way, Rachel Elnor will be with me next week. John O'Looney will be with me next week, the funeral director. He was on with me quite some time ago. We were due to do a follow-up next week. He has given a very interesting interview to my friend Max Egan, of course, who's in Australia. You can find that on BitChute, but John will be back on this programme right soon, so fear not. Those who want to hear him again, do share that interview with Max around, of course. Uh, feel free to do, uh, to do that. Is there any more comments there that I should read out before I take my leave of you this Thursday? Is there, is there, is there? Let me have a quick read in case I didn't miss anything. Uh, Fabrizio has put something on there about, about Greta Thunberg. Dart City says that Dr. Sucharit Bhakti is a real hero. I don't like Bhakti. I endorse, I can't endorse what he says because I'm not a doctor, but I, I endorse his right to be heard. He was on this programme. Bit of a coward. Uh, his book did very well out of this programme. And his publishers were really keen to get him to come back on. He was on 
last year. But he was scared of coming back on because he saw the backlash that others received for coming on this particular programme. And irony of ironies, he chose not to come on with me and yet they went after him and called him anti-Semitic and called him a quack and all of that. In any case, I don't like people. You know, oh, I won't come on because I'm scared of what they'll say about me. And then they went and went after him anyway. I don't like that. That's not to impugn what Bakhti is trying to do. I just don't like cowards, you know. I really don't. There's no time anymore for saying, oh, I'm scared. I have 250,000 people listening. This is the most listened to independent media show in the world. I spend 80 hours a week minimum working on it. To, pl- to platform guys like him. Don't tell me I'm scared of coming on because I might be called an anti-Semite, you know. Use the platform, speak to the audience and be a man. Be a man. Enjoy your weekend. I'll see you Sunday. Thanks for listening. Bye now. <laughs>